Good day to you. Welcome back to the podcast. Glad to have you alongside. Um, I will go ahead and let you know now. I apologize. I've got a little bit of seasonal allergies or something going on in my head, so I'll try to speak clear and uh, not be too much of a nuisance with that. I'm thinking this morning on some things, reflecting um, on our time last night. Um, Our families, uh, of course, get together, you know, um, Wednesday evenings. And uh, just during our time of prayer last night, I had several things stirring in me throughout the day. And um, during our time of of worship and singing and, uh, you know, corporate confession, I don't know what you want to call it, whatever it is, um, I just really felt a few things stirring in me. I wanted to just kind of turn this on today as I head out to work and and, and just kind of see if the Lord would maybe allow me to to share just some things I feel the Lord was just really speaking to me um, throughout the day yesterday and then during our time last night. I've been thinking a lot about um, the scriptural terms like trials, tribulations, um, testing, tempted, and I've been doing just some minor word study stuff and um, just looking into different topical references along these lines. And I just want to start out just, um, I pulled over because I've got my Bible, my notebook, my journal and everything with me, but I'm, I'm trying to drive to work. And, and so I'm, my hope is to just read a couple things and then put it back and drive and head back down the road with some commentary upon what we read. But I want, I felt it was very important imperative that I would actually stop and read these scriptures to really be the meat and the substance of of what I'm feeling um, within it. Um, The first thing is Acts chapter 14. Um, If I can find it again, I'm I'm not at all prepared. I mean, none. Um, I believe it's at the end. It's verse 22. Let's read 21 first. And after they had preached the gospel to the city, um, Paul and Barnabas, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples. They were encouraging them to continue in the faith. And they were saying something. It's a very short phrase, but, but just really is something that Oh, Lord, may it be necessary for us to hear this. I mean, <laughs> that's my first inclination of, of thought is like, are we as believers in, in this day and age, is this verse, is this exhortation even necessary for us? Okay. They were strengthening the souls of the disciples. They were encouraging them to continue in the faith. And they were saying, quote, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And so they're saying that this is a prerequisite, if you will, an absolute guarantee that for anyone who will enter the kingdom of God, will absolutely, they must enter through many tribulations. So in other words, if your life is free of tribulation and testing, trial, can we not say there's a very good chance we're not on the path 
into the kingdom or, or we're not presently on the way into and through the kingdom of God. Encouraging them to continue in the faith, of course, meaning simply there were good reasons where they didn't want to. <laughs> they were given plenty of reason why they didn't want to um, um, continue on. They needed reminded, continue in the faith, brothers. Don't give up. All these other scriptures we could go over. Endure to the end. Endure, endure. Stand firm, and when, you've stand, when you have stood firm, stand firm again. And again and again, it's the message of the kingdom. Through many tribulations and trials, you will enter it. Okay? But primarily, last night during our corporate time together, I was just I was thinking on the great high priest reality. Jesus the Christ, the epitome of the priest-king, The personification of the perfect high priest. We must know a little bit about the Old Testament high priest and what he did, what he represented, what he allowed the people to enter into and partake of in God to even have any basic understanding of what this even means and what it entails when we have a great high priest, capital G, capital H, capital P, We have to understand what we're being told in Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews 4.14 first. Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, because of this, because of who he is, because of his function, because of his identity, because of this, let us hold fast our confession. Another way of saying what Paul was saying. Let us continue in the faith. Let us endure these trials and tribulations and testings. For we do not have a high priest back in Hebrews 4.15... We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Because of this, okay, let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and may find grace to help in time of need. I won't go into chapter 5. I, that's more than I can bite off and now drive out to work. That's more than I can tackle right now. I would need a little more preparation in, in some different circumstances. So let's just, let's just put the truck and drive and let's see what the Lord would say. Even through me about this great high priest mystery. And that's really where I'm at with many things in my life spiritually. This mystery. Yesterday I recorded some stuff about this mysterious love. How do we define these things? How do we, how do we understand 
we have to give ourselves first and foremost. We have to, we have to study to show ourselves approved. We have to meditate while we're working, while we're driving, while we're eating. So much of the traditions of the Hebrew people, the Israelite people, the Jewish people, pre-just tradition, when tradition was right and good, was just the when I, when I rise and when I go to bed. <laughs> and everything in between, may it be towards Yahweh and His ordinances, His statutes, His ways. And we must return to that. I mean, I often reflect on my own life and think, man, where would I be? This constant reality of where would I be? If my days were so full of such activity. And so this Hebrews 4, and I just want to, I want to really extract um, a word. Primarily focus on this word. And again, I'm trying to, I'm trying to drive, so I've got to be safe here. In the Strong's, I want to look at it and see it's, it's 3985. And that's what I really peered into a little bit yesterday during my lunch break and um, during work, just trying to see what the Lord was saying within this. But it's in Hebrews 4, 15, when it says that, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness. Weakness is... Let's be real clear. It's not, we do not have a great high priest who cannot sympathize with our, with our weaknesses. But one, capital O, who has been tempted in all things, as we are, yet without sin. Okay, so this word, tempted, we have to understand what this is. We have to understand what the author of Hebrews is wanting us to glean from this because I think this is one of these things as I was praying this morning driving out, like, Lord, I want one of these things. This, this is one of those things that I want to just attach to my thinking. Like, be integrated into who I am and so that it remains and so that I'm constantly filtering things that come my way, the trials, the tribulations, the testings, the need to endure through this ongoing reality of this great high priest, this perfect high priest who's gone before me, victorious entirely over sin, tempted and tried and, and tested in every single way as I am presently and ever will be. And so this word, 3985 in the Strongs is Parazo. Parazo, Parazzo, I don't know, I'm not a linguist. But it says that Jesus, it tells us that Jesus was scrutinized and he was examined and he was proven when opened up. Okay, so what can we say about this, this activity? We know that the culmination of everything is when Jesus is taken up by the devil, by 
the Satan. I, I don't even claim to understand all that is now. I don't believe it's just like what, what I have previously believed that to look like, like just two individuals standing there. I don't know. But whatever the case, we do know it's doctrinally safe to say that what I now presently understand the scriptures from the original Hebrew text, the Satan, the fallen one, the rebellious one, the ruler of the powers of the air and the the dominion of darkness, took Jesus to the high place and tempted him. Cast yourself down. He knew Jesus was hungry. Make this stone bread. We know the story. And that, of course, is just the epitome, pinnacle of of what we already know was Jesus' whole life. And that's really what I want to drive home this morning if the Lord would allow me to make it clear. And so this parazo, parazo, this scrutiny that Jesus availed himself to, okay? He now seated high and lifted up, exalted to a to a place of preeminence over all and over the hearts and minds and souls of every man who would give him that throne upon their lives, seated upon it, preeminent as well, if the man, if the individual yields that throne to him. Again, it's not automatic. He's not seated and throned upon all of humanity. We have been given a will that must be surrendered and place him upon that throne of our lives or else we're just in the rebellion. But this eternal priest-king, the great high priest, before he was the great high priest, he was a man. Okay, we know that Jesus was pre-existent. He talks about how everything was created by him. He was there. The mysteries of all those those curiosities were told in the scriptures. And so, when God became flesh and dwelt among us as Emmanuel, and this is what strikes me, if I can just put words to it correctly, what strikes me is the fact that Jesus, because... He came in the womb of a woman as man. He had the right to say, I have endured every single facet and phase of life that every man will face. I will be born. I will be nursing. I will be a toddler. I will be a young boy, I will be a preteen. I will be a teenager, I'll be a young man, I will be an adult. And if we could just go through the cycles of each phase of that life, and all of the temptations and testing and trials that come to us in every single season and facet, and part of the journey of being human. Like the rebellion of my eight-year-old son 
his heart that is cold and his and his stiff-necked little will. If we really believe the scriptures are true, Jesus learned obedience through the suffering of denying his will even then. I don't claim to understand that. It seems impossible. It almost seems more impossible for me to envision young boy Jesus being free from sin at eight more so than him being completely free from sin at 18. Because something in my mind thinks, well, at least then he would have the capacity to really understand the unfolding of who he was. And the, the prophecies he read in Isaiah and all these things that we know, how he saw himself in the Psalms, the unfolding of his identity. But like a child, even then, yes, that's what we're told. He was without sin. Okay, so moving along with that train of thought, Jesus, the great high priest, was parazzo in every way that we ever have been or will be. He was scrutinized. How was he scrutinized? How was he examined? Well, through being a human being. It does not have to be some grandiose um, take you to the top of the mountain, take you to the temple and have you look down and say all of this. It doesn't have to be such a grandiose thing. Jesus, fully God and fully man, endured the mundane temptations and trials and testings that you and I face. The casual thought. The temptation to lust. The temptation and testing to indulge. The testing of an opportunity to gratify the flesh. All of these little things that you and I deal with every single day of our lives is what Jesus endured, took on the testing and the scrutinization, and was proven victorious when he was opened up and examined. Y'all, do we understand the f- a more full picture of what Jesus endured for us? Because we know that. For us. For us. To deem us capable of doing likewise. This is incredible to me. There, this is nothing I have not think, thought about before. But there's just something within it. I don't even know if I can convey it. Of the sympathy of Jesus the Christ. How in the world... And let me go here and Lord, please help me make this clear of whatever you're saying to me. And to anyone else who might hear. God has just been establishing in me a greater awe of His mercy, of His grace, of His compassion, of His long-suffering, of His loving-kindness, 
of my undeservedness. It's just unending, immeasurable. And so in light of this, something resonated in me when I read the word that he sympathizes with me. Okay, so let's ask the question, well, why does he sympathize? For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Well, why? Because he remembers the scrutiny. He remembers the parazzo. He remembers the weight and the trial of being tested. At every phase of his life, he sympathizes because he knows. He sympathizes because he completely understands the frailty of humanity. He understood and he understands. I believe he sympathizes because he remembers that he became flesh. I think if Jesus could be conversational with us in a moment of temptation, in a moment of trial and testing, that the perfect Father Yahweh God allows to come to us, to scrutinize us and to open us up and to see what's in there, Jesus says, I think he says to me, Joel, brother, I know it's hard. I know it's hard. I know it. I remember. I remember. Oh, man, I sympathize with you. That's why I'm the mediator between God and man. I'm interceding for you, brother. You can do it. I'm interceding. I'm interceding. I'm sympathetic. I remember. I remember, oh God, I remember, have mercy on them. Have mercy, they don't know what they're doing, have mercy. Help them. He extends his strength to us, his overcoming attributes and capabilities, he says, are right here for you to walk in. I have overcome. I have overcome everything. I've even overcome death and the grave, the curse does not have to be yours, friend. I sympathize with you because I remember. And I think he would say, why do you think when everybody was giving me such accolades, I said, no, 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 no man is good. No man is good. Don't call me that. I know how wretched this nasty flesh bone man is. It's disgusting and against God. Don't call me good. I can't wait to get back to my father. I can't wait to be enthroned as the great high priest and get out of this flesh of nastiness, prone to sin. But we don't know anything else. We were born in it. The seed of it. Our Father was the Father of it. Jesus was the offspring of the eternal God. It was foreign to Him. It was not His natural 
sonship or however we want to word it. He took it on willingly. Why? To rule it and reign over it and subdue it and submit it in total victory so that he could be exalted to be the great high priest and then look at you, friend, and say, I sympathize with you. I know it's hard. I know it. I was starving, literally starving, and I could have eaten. It was hard. I was in the garden. I could have said one word and been delivered and avoided death and shame. I remember. I remember the the distress of wanting and desiring relief. I remember, I sympathize with you, friend. Let me be your strength. Let me intercede for you. And friends, I just feel like, I feel like we have got to honestly face the facts that when we are tested, when we're tried and we're opened up, when there is a surgical activity going on in the spiritual and a testing comes, what will be found? What is in there? We've got to own up to these things and we've got to face head on what is inside of us when we are exposed. When we're laid bare, when we're tested, when the parazzo comes, the scrutiny comes that God himself initiates and or allows for our good to say, I want to get glory out of this man. It's time to see what's in there. The enemy comes as the accuser of the brethren. He says, oh yeah, watch this. We then have an opportunity to bring glory to God. To bring glory to His work within us. To exalt Jesus the Christ and all that He did to become the high priest. We have an opportunity when the testing comes to say, oh yeah, look at the great high priest. Look at Him. Look at the great high priest. He is my mediator. He is my strength. He is my sympathizer. I am going to walk in his way. I am going to walk in his pattern. I will deny myself and allow his strength to be my strength. I can say no. I can say yes. I can say I will be Jesus the Christ today, here and now, in my circumstance. I will allow the great high priest to go and make intercession for me. And brothers, can we just say, if we don't do that, if we deny the power that has been extended to us, we make a mockery of the great high priestly work. We make a mockery of it. When I say no, when I willfully give myself 
to the testing and trial that is brought to me as sin, a temptation to sin, a sifting opportunity if and when I willingly give myself to that temptation and I don't choose God's will and way in the testing, I make a mockery of the great high priestly work that was for me on my behalf. We have to face that. We have to see that that is true. We have been given a great high priest. He remembers. He knows how hard it is. But he did it so that we can also, through him and by him, enter into the most holy place, consecrated, holy, set apart, bringing glory to the great high priest, our sympathizer. Praise be to Jesus the Christ, our sympathizer. He knows because he was as we are. Incredible. No other God, little g, can do such a thing. What God can encase himself in flesh and lower himself to become humanity in order to redeem us, in order to stand in for us, in order to exalt us to a place we should never ever be allowed to enter into. The great high priest, our sympathizer, praise be to him for his awesome, awesome work. So let's respond like Jesus in his strength. When the scrutiny opens me up and who I really am has an opportunity to come, may they, the tempters, the rebellious ones that oppose the will of God and who live and breathe to tear us down and to make a mockery of the great high priest, may, may that scrutiny come. And Jesus, the enthroned great high priest, is what is seen in me and in you. The high priestly work in a man. Be encouraged today, friend. We've got to get these things. We have been given immeasurable, victorious power. But it must be through this way. It must be through the way that was paved by Jesus Christ. So let's look unto him, our great high priest, sympathizing with us, interceding for us, to bring himself glory and honor and praise that is due to him. Amen.